Amen. Man, being here right now really is uh, an answer to very, very many prayers. Pastor mentioned in Spirit Life class this morning about just like starting out uh, at LifeSpring and where it was and to see where we're at today and how much God has done in people's lives. That is an amazing thing to be a part of. And that's what it's like being a part of the church is you get to see God work and flow through other people and you get to see miracles unfold. You get to see God provide for people. You get to see God save people's souls. And it is so exciting. This is the most exciting group of people that you can be a part of is the church of God. It really is. Let's all lift our hands real quick. We're gonna go to the word of the Lord in just a moment. But Father, thank you so much for all that you do. You're so wonderful, God, and you're so mighty. Lord, we've seen you at work so many times, and thank you for the miracles and signs and wonders that you've allowed to happen in our congregation over the past couple weeks, and we know that you are not done. Your word says that those things follow the believers, and I know that we're gathered together here in faith and that we believe that you can do great and mighty things. We know you're going to do something amazing today, and Lord, we just ask that, that uh, help us to get our flesh out of the way, Jesus. We want you to have your will today. Speak to us, God. Let the words that come across this pulpit be your words. And Lord, speak to our hearts in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, we give you glory and honor. Thank you, Jesus. You can all be seated. If any of you have been in Spirit Life class, you know that I always have too many notes and I overstudy for everything. So we'll, uh, we'll see what the Lord, where the Lord takes us today. I, um, I was actually praying before Pastor had reached out to me and God started dealing with me about a particular chapter, a particular vision, actually, in the Old Testament that we're just going to walk through today and talk about how this applies to us in the spiritual. Does anybody know a prophet by the name of Ezekiel in the Bible? Ezekiel, he's one of the major prophets. His, uh, I believe the book of Ezekiel has 48 chapters, which is why he's called one of the major prophets, because he wrote so much. But God showed him a lot. God showed him all kinds of stuff, uh, and actually some pretty crazy visions. But today, we're going to talk about Ezekiel chapter 47. The uh, title of this message, with the help of Pastor and Sister Calhoun, they helped me <laughs> put something together. Um, the title of this message is called Flow. So we're going to talk about the flow of the Holy Ghost. Ezekiel chapter 47, verse 1 this is where we're going to start. Then he brought me back to the door of the temple, and there was water flowing from under the threshold of the temple toward the east. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. For the front of the temple faced east, the water was flowing from under the right side of the temple south of the altar. So Ezekiel, he was a man, God essentially used him as a a pretty drastic physical example of the points that he was trying to get across. I mean, there were points uh, in Ezekiel's life where he had to eat uh, a certain kind of bread that was deemed unclean just so God could get a point across to the children of Israel while they were in captivity. And he made Ezekiel lay on his side for months on end to, again, illustrate a point. And his visions, the visions that Ezekiel saw were absolutely mind-blowing. 
Ezekiel chapter 1 is very powerful, where Ezekiel actually sees, I believe he sees Jesus on the throne because he saw a man sitting on a sapphire throne. But Ezekiel chapter 47 is just one scene in a grand vision that God was giving him. It actually starts in chapter 40. Ezekiel chapter 40, verses 1 through 3, deal with, uh, or they start to deal with this new city, a new Jerusalem. The angel of the Lord with the measuring rod in his hand is dividing up the nation of Israel amongst, like it's, uh, amongst all of the tribes. And, and Ezekiel is essentially taken on a journey with this angel. But Ezekiel chapter 40, verses 1 through 3, just to give context to what he's seeing in chapter 47, says, in the, 12, uh, the 25th year of our captivity, at the beginning of the year, on the 10th day of the month in the 14th year after the city was captured, on the very same day, the hand of the Lord was upon me, and he took me there. In the visions of God, he took me into the land of Israel and set me on a very high mountain. On it toward the south was something like the structure of a city. And then verse 3, he took me there. And behold, there was a man whose appearance was like the appearance of bronze. He had a linen, uh, or a, uh, does it say linen? A line of flax, sorry. Uh, and a measuring rod in his hand, and he stood in the gateway. This is the beginning of the vision. So keep in mind, Ezekiel, he's not in Jerusalem at this time. They're in captivity. And God takes him in a vision out of the, the place that, that the children of Israel were held captive, set him on a mountain, and he starts to see what he describes as uh, the structure of a city. So you can read through this whole, this whole vision and see, follow the trail that Ezekiel took and see what this angel did and what God was dealing with him about. But today, we're gonna deal with just chapter 47. According to many Jewish and Christian commentators or uh, uh, theologians, whatever you wanna call them, studies, uh, Students of the Bible, they both agree that Ezekiel chapter 47 has two applications. Much like many prophecies in the Old Testament, you see that there's like a, a physical, uh, there's going to be a physical accomplishment where God is actually going to do what he's showing, but then there's also a spiritual component where God accomplishes that prophecy in a spiritual way as well. So both agree, Jews and Christians, that Ezekiel chapter 47 is both will happen in the physical and that it is being accomplished in the spiritual. So there will be a day where, uh, uh, where the temple, there is this river flowing out of the temple. Many uh, Jewish commentators say that's around the millennial reign when Jesus sets, uh, well, you know, they don't necessarily believe Jesus is the Messiah, but when the Messiah sets his physical kingdom on earth, there will be this spring that flows out of the temple and will give water to the land. And we'll, we'll go through Ezekiel chapter 47 on exactly what it does but then Christian commentators also recognize that, that this is happening spiritually today. So the key component in Ezekiel chapter 47 is the way it talks about water. Water. Do you know how important water is to a human body? Very, very important. Very important. Water, actually, uh, it does a lot of things. It helps you regulate your body temperature. It it helps you digest your food. It actually, your body stores water around the brain and brainstem to provide cushion for impact. Did you know that? Your blood requires water in order to pump, otherwise it clots. And also, if you don't have wire, the marrow in your bones cannot produce red blood cells. So water is very important. And the average person could only live about three or four days without water. 
So it's no accident, as we read in Romans chapter 1 and verse 20, that all of creation actually speaks to the glory of God and that there is no excuse to not know that God exists because creation and nature tells us that he exists. So it's no accident that he's using water as an illustration in this chapter. And it was also very important to ancient cities. Did you know this? I know this is fact moment, but just bear with me for a second, okay? Water was extremely important for ancient civilizations because they didn't have like pipes and pumps. They had some, some rudimentary things and actually some other technology to get water where they needed it to be, but they couldn't be too far away from it. Did you know that Jerusalem was one of the only ancient cities that was not founded by running water? Jerusalem wasn't necessarily by a stream. When you talk about uh, how close cities had to build next to water, which is why in the Old Testament, you see a lot of people, a lot of children of Israel digging wells. And that's not very fun. If you just had access to water, you wouldn't have to dig a well. But they did that. But the significant point is that Ezekiel sees a stream of water coming from the temple, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense because why would you have a, why would you build on top of a stream that's just gonna flood the place and end up spilling out? This is where the spiritual component comes in. Because the word flow here in Hebrew actually means to ooze or to drip. So he's seeing this very small beginning or very small collection of water, almost like when you go, uh, Seth and I, we went hiking at Scuppernong and we saw where the water comes up out of the ground. It doesn't start very big, but ultimately it feeds rivers and it feeds this torrent of water, right? But this is what Ezekiel is seeing at the temple, just this little bit of water that's trickling out from under the doorway. So the spiritual accomplishment here is that the waters actually typified Jesus Christ. The fact that they were coming out of the temple was showing that water flows out of Jesus. Let's consider the, uh, the woman at the well. John chapter 4. What happens in John chapter 4? Jesus is going to a well that was in a Samaritan area, and, and he's asking a lady who's coming out for, to draw water, give me some water so that I can have a drink. And then the woman responds to him, why are you even talking to me? I'm a Samaritan, you're a Jew. We shouldn't even be uh, having a conversation right now. But this is what Jesus responds to her in John chapter four, verse 10. Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked asked him and he would have given you living water. Living water. The woman's confused, but Jesus goes on to explain that if you drink of the living water, you will never thirst again and have living water flowing out of you. So John chapter 7, this is where Jesus actually says it. Now, uh, uh, John, or John chapter 7 is another example of this living water. Now on the last and most important day of the feast, Jesus stood and called out in a loud voice. I'm reading in the Amplified Version right now. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, who adheres to and trusts in and relies on me, as the scripture has said, from his innermost being will flow continually rivers of living water. So it's no accident that Ezekiel is seeing this stream begin at the temple of God. Because what he is seeing is a promise of the Messiah. 
that Jesus Christ is going to come to earth and that through his sacrifice and through his resurrection, there's gonna be rivers of living water that begin to flow through the believer that whoever puts their trust in Jesus and God fills them with his Holy Spirit and they're baptized in the name of Jesus and repented of their sins, God will cause living water to flow into that person so that they will never thirst again. Mm, The living water is the Spirit of God. And as we know, the Spirit of God is what really empowers us to live a holy lifestyle. The Spirit of God is what gives us the strength to stand up every day and put our trust in Jesus. It's through His Spirit that we can live and move and continue to, uh, to... Uh, to be healed, to see miracles, to see signs and wonders, to witness to people. It's through his spirit, through the power that comes with the living water. Also, it waters the soul of our heart, or or, a soil of our heart. It waters the soil of our heart. It keeps our heart prepared and ready for when the word of God is preached. It keeps our heart prepared and ready for when God begins to speak to you, to give you uh, direction, to give you a the plan that he has for you, the spirit of God, the living waters on the inside keep our heart ready to experience Jesus. Biblical scholar N.T. Wright suggests that we have reminders that flowing streams are parables of the flowing life of God. You can reference Psalm 41, Jeremiah 2, and John chapter 4. That the spirit of God is in constant motion. The Spirit of God is always moving. It's like, it's like water. It's like living water. And actually, that word living in the original Greek means teeming with life or, uh, or moving or, uh, you know, motion, essentially. Yes, that's what, that's what the original Greek word means. So when God is saying I will, uh, that rivers of living water will flow out of you, it's the continual motion of the Spirit propelling us forward, propelling us to our destiny, and it continues to move us. This is also something Ezekiel saw. But just to establish this, the the water issuing from the temple is a prophecy of the living water that Jesus talks about. And actually, Jewish Jewish scholars connect the prophecy in Joel where God says, in the last day, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. They connect it to this prophecy of Ezekiel chapter 47, that this is going to be the fulfillment of when God begins to pour his spirit out on the earth. It's amazing when we can see Scripture, Old Testament prophecies coming to pass today. So as the vision progresses, we see the angelic guide measuring a thousand cubits. And and Ezekiel is following him. And at the first, at the initial moment, he sees that trickle from the, from the temple, that trickle of water. And then the angel of the Lord measures a thousand cubits. And Ezekiel now finds himself ankle deep in the water. And then he goes out another thousand cubits. And now Ezekiel finds himself knee deep in the water. And then another thousand, and he's up to his waist. And then another thousand, Ezekiel describes it as a mighty river that you have to, that, that no man can even cross that it's above his head, that there's no way that he could get through that river anymore. Isn't this crazy? This just progressive, starting from a small trickle at the temple all the way out to a mighty river in about a mile and a half. That's how many cubits, if you do the, the conversion. It was about a mile and a half. That's all it took. But the thing that amazed me is that the angel didn't just cause Ezekiel to walk beside the water. The angel made him walk through the water. The angel made Ezekiel experience 
this water. It wasn't just, you know, look, look how deep it is and we'll put a measuring stick in. No, Ezekiel experienced this water in his own body. He had to wade through it. He had to, he had to walk through that river until it got so deep that he couldn't stand on the ground anymore. Isn't this, this progressive depth, this is how God interacts with us. He doesn't, he doesn't just want us to see him move. He wants us to experience the movement. Not just to, to stand on the sidelines and say, oh God, that was pretty cool. That, that miracle was awesome. No, he wants us to experience his spirit. He wants his spirit on the inside of us flowing out. He wants us to be carried with his spirit, the motion of the living water. And this is how Jesus works. When we initially encounter him, maybe it starts with just a small drink at first, like that little trickle at the temple. It starts with just a little bit. Taste and see that the Lord is good, right? It starts with just a little bit, but Jesus all the while is, come on deeper. I got more for you. I want to take you places. I, I, I want you to follow this stream. I want to show you where I want to take you. This progressive revelation of who Jesus is all in the living water. And you know what's really cool about this is you can really see the life when you live for Jesus. You can see it in this, in Ezekiel's progression on how deep the water got. Because as, as he gets deeper and deeper in the water, uh, starts to rise on his body and he's experiencing the coolness, the refreshing, all this of the water. What's really cool about this is when he gets to the river, when he gets to the point where the river is so deep that no man could cross it. No man could swim in it. Because for a while, he's walking through this river. He's got his feet on the ground. But there comes a point where his feet will no longer touch the ground, where he's fully reliant on the current of the river. That's how Jesus works. He continues to beckon us. He says, come on, let me build your faith. I'm going to take you through some things. You're going to experience some things, but you're going to be better when you come out until you get to the point where you are so deep in Jesus that you have to rely on the current of the Holy Ghost to carry you where you're supposed to go. Your feet are no longer on the ground of your own life. Your feet are no longer on that foundation that we try to build, but ultimately we're surrounded by the presence of God, surrounded by his Holy Spirit, so deep we, can, we have to leave our life behind, so deep we have to leave the ground behind and say, Jesus, just take me. Take me where you want me to go. Build my faith, God. I want to follow you. I want to go where you want to go. And ultimately, we get swept away by the Holy Ghost. Swept away. It takes surrender to do that. Huh. Has anybody walked through or tried to cross a, like a river? <laughs> I mean, not a deep river. I just, I want, you know, for sake of trying to connect this to our life, but that current is strong. River currents are strong, so it really does take surrender. Brother Rob, thank you for teaching Spirit Life class this morning, and thank you for talking about surrender, because when we live for God and we get to that point where Ezekiel, at the end of his, of, of his journey, the water is so deep, when we get to that point with our walk with God, it takes surrender because we have to allow God to pick us up off our feet and carry us. We no longer have control over where we're walking. We, we can no longer feel the ground under our feet and we can step where we wanna step and go where we wanna go. No, God doesn't want us to live that way because if we make our own path, 
it leads to, to foolishness. That's what, that's what Proverbs says. If we walk our own path, it ultimately leads to sin and destruction. God wants to pick us up off our own path and carry us in his Holy Spirit. Carry us in the way he wants us to go. The flow of the Holy Ghost. John chapter four, verse 14. This is Jesus again talking with the woman at the well. In the Amplified Version, he, it says but whoever drinks the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. But the water that I give him will become in him a spring of water, satisfying his thirst for God, welling up, continually flowing, bubbling within him to eternal life. The miracle of eternal life and and spiritual healing uh, was never meant to stay with just one person. Pastor preached about it not too long ago, just a couple weeks ago, pass it on. Because when we get filled with that living water and, and it becomes a spring that's bubbling up and, and you know, we no longer have to search for that thing that's gonna quench our thirst. And, and when, we, when, when God fills us with his spirit and that living water starts to spring up in our life, it's supposed to flow through us, not just stay with us. Right? When God gives us a miracle or when he blesses us, it's not just for us. It's so that his spirit can flow through a conduit and out to other people. So pass it on, right? Like that's what we've been saying, saying the past couple weeks when God provides, when he does a miracle, pass it on. Let the, the living water flow straight through you into the life of somebody else that's thirsty. Because I'll tell you what, when we live in this world and we live after our flesh, It's like walking through a desert and there is no water in sight. It is uh, soul quenching and crushing to live in this world. That's why God says, if you come to me, I will give you something to drink that will satisfy that parched soul. It'll satisfy that feeling of emptiness on the inside. It'll satisfy the dryness of the soul, but not just for you to pass it on, to be a conduit for the Holy Spirit to flow through. We become springs of those waters to all of those around us. A spring, a life spring, if you will. A life spring to those around us. We become a conduit where God can reach through our our soul, our spirit can reach through us into the life of somebody else. Keep in mind, it's not us who does it. It's the living water from above. But you know what's amazing about this flow, right? Because when you fill up a cup, like this guy, I'm drinking it. Eventually, it's going to be empty. Eventually, because my throat gets dry. So like that, that happens when you fill up a cup and you pour it out. It empties. The thing with Jesus, though, is as we start to empty that spiritual living water into the lives of other people, he continues to fill. That's why it's a flow, because we're never lacking God fills us with his spirit and we reach out and share that living water and he fills us again. And he keeps us so full that we're living in the overflow. How many of you have heard that song? Overflow. That's where God really wants us to live. Not not so that we can, you know, have the most blessed life and have whatever. That's not what it's talking about. That actually living in the overflow is living a life where you see the Spirit of God overflow out of you into other people. That's what it's like living in the overflow. It's not a selfish life. It's not 
God, fill me up, bless me, you know, uh, provide for me. It's not like that. When you're living in the overflow of the Spirit of God, it's, Lord, bless them. God, use my hands. Reach through me. Do something. God, use me. But, I, but, but giving glory to God, that's what it's like to live in the overflow. Getting, getting back to Ezekiel 47. I'm getting off my notes a little bit. <laughs> getting back to Ezekiel 47, uh, picking up in verse 6. So we've talked about this river, this progressive river that Ezekiel saw. Um, this is what it's like being in spirit life class, by the way. If anybody who wants to be here at 10 a.m., this is, this is the kind of stuff we cover. But after, after that progressive growth of the stream that Ezekiel sees, the angel says to him in Ezekiel 47 in verse 6, son of man, have you seen this? Then he brought me back to the bank of the river. Now when I, had, uh, when I had returned, behold, on the bank of the river were very many trees on the one side and on the other. So Ezekiel, excuse me, is, is, is experiencing this, this river at this point. But now the angel calls him back to the shore and says, hey, have you seen what happened? Because this, the, the many trees was not there when Ezekiel experienced the river the first time. But now the angel wants to show him something else, another spiritual application of what this river does. So he says, son of man, have you seen this? Look what happened. And now he sees trees all over the bank. Life sprang forth from the water. Life sprang forth from the water. Ezekiel chapter 47, going down to verses 8 and 9, and then we'll talk about 12. In the Amplified, it says this, Then he said to me, this is the angel speaking, These waters go out toward the eastern region and go down uh, into Arabah, which is the Jordan Valley. Then they go toward the sea, being made to flow into the sea, and the waters of the Dead Sea shall be healed and become fresh. It will come about that every living creature that's, that's, uh, which swarms in every place where, where the river goes will live. And there will be a very great number of fish because these waters go there so that the waters of the sea are healed and become fresh. So everything will live wherein the river goes. Everything will live where the river goes. Uh, by the river on its bank, on one side and on the other will grow all kinds of trees for food. Their leaves will not wither and their fruit will not fail. They shall bear every month because their water, uh, their water flows from the sanctuary and their fruit will be for food and leaves for healing. So remember, when we're dealing with prophecy, there's a, like we talked about, the physical manifestation or the physical accomplishment of the prophecy, which many believe that this will physically happen during the millennial reign. But the spiritual aspect of this prophecy has already been fulfilled and is continuing to be fulfilled. Because John chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, Jesus says this, I am the door. Anyone who enters through me will be saved and will live forever. This is in the Amplified and will go in and out freely and find pasture, which is spiritual security. Oh, thank you. I didn't even know you guys had amplified versions. Thank you. The thief comes only in order to steal and kill and destroy, and I came that they may have life and have it in abundance, which is to the full till it overflows. There it is again, the overflow. We can live a vibrant and abundant life as Jesus promised. We can. 
But don't get it twisted because abundant life does not mean everything is going to go okay. It doesn't mean that we won't ever have struggles. It doesn't mean that we won't ever have financial difficulty. It doesn't mean that we won't ever get sick again. That's not what abundant life is about. Abundant life is connected to the overflow of Jesus. To see God flow through a human being into somebody else. To see God save souls. To see God do the miraculous. That's, that's what it's like living an abundant life. To see God do amazing things and to taste, just taste the living water. That's what it's like to live an abundant life. Because you know what? This, I can speak this for me. This is how I feel about myself. I don't even deserve the opportunity to repent as a human being. I mean, let's get real, right? We don't deserve anything from God, nothing, because we're sinful. I, and again, let me just speak from my, from my perspective because I don't want to offend anybody. But I, as a human living in flesh, I'm sinful. I don't deserve anything from God. And the fact that he saved my soul, the fact that he died on a cross and he was resurrected from the tomb, the fact that he stepped out of heaven, robed himself in flesh, allowed himself to be tempted, that is way beyond anything I could ever ask from my God. Yet he did it. Yet he loves each and every one of us. If he does nothing else for me, he saved my soul. That's enough to live an abundant life. The fact that he saved me from eternal hell is enough for me to say I live an abundant life. He doesn't have to do anything else for me the rest of my life, but he saved my soul, and that's enough. That it goes way beyond anything that I ever deserved. To me, that's what it's like living an abundant life, knowing that I have a hope of heaven, knowing that even though life is going to be difficult, I have a promise that I'm going to be with Jesus forever. That is an abundant life. That's more than anything this world could ever give us, give any of us. Oh, wasn't in my notes. I hope that was good for somebody. Living in the overflow of the Spirit of God is where we should be. Doesn't mean life will be easy. Let's all stand real quick. Close. Verse 12, though, of Ezekiel chapter 47. This is where we're going to end. Could you guys bring that up one more time? Ezekiel 47 and 12. I'm going to read it from the screen when you guys get it. <clears throat> um, living water. Ezekiel 47 and 12. You guys got it? Thank you. I see it back there on the TV. There it is. Okay. Ezekiel 47 and 12. This right here is the clincher. And on the banks of the river, on both its sides, there shall grow all kinds of trees for food. Their leaf shall not fade away, nor shall their fruit fail because of the living water, because of the stream that comes uh, I'm getting ahead of myself. Each tree shall bring forth new fruit every month. These supernatural qualities being because their waters come out of the sanctuary. That's the clincher statement. Because their waters come out of the sanctuary, they have supernatural ability to never wither and never fade away. And their fruit shall be for food and their leaves for healing. 
the supernatural ability for these trees to never die comes from the water. And where did it come from? The sanctuary. From Jesus Christ himself. Living water, what Jesus said. Living water. Can I tell you this, that when you drink of the living water, like Jesus said, this this is a promise from God. When you drink of the living water, you will never thirst again. I'll go as far to say you will never experience the second death when you drink of the living water. Because it is the Spirit of God. That's what the living water is. It's the Holy Ghost. When you, when you drink of that, uh, of, of that living water, it, it, it forever establishes you with Jesus Christ. So don't quench the Spirit. 1 Thessalonians. Don't quench the spirit. The Greek word for quench actually means to suppress. Do not remove yourself from the living waters that flow from Jesus. Do not step out of the stream of God. Do not step out of the river because God doesn't withdraw himself from us. When we sin, we choose to step away. Stay in the living waters because that will give you the supernatural ability to live forever. Not just that, but you're going to have benefits for those around you. Fruit that's good for food and leaves that are good for healing. Supernatural abilities coming from Jesus Christ. All through the living water. Let's lift our hands and just ask that God would do whatever he wants to do right now. You can come to the altar. It's open. Let's, let's gather down here and pray together. Father, thank you so much for your words. God, thank you for that water that quenches the thirst. Thank you, God, for satisfying my soul. Thank you, Jesus, for allowing us to witness these miracles. God, thank you for, for the living water that flows directly from you. Jesus, I pray that you would keep us in that river. Keep us in the waters. Lord, I pray, Jesus, that you would help us to walk in the water, to experience it, not just be a bystander, but to experience the water that flows from your throne. Jesus, we give you glory and honor. Make us into the people you want us to be. And God, let your water that flows into our soul flow out to those around us. Let us live in the overflow of your spirit in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Continue to pray and experience Jesus.